Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. So I just want to start off by saying that I apologize for the clicking that was happening in the last episode. I think it was my setup and my microphone. So I have all my stuff set up differently today, and hopefully that helps. Well, I guess we'll just find out when we're done, though. Right, exactly. (laughs) When it's too late, we'll know. Yeah, we didn't hear any clicking while we were talking, but then when I was trying to do the editing, for some reason, there was this weird background noise happening. So I moved where my microphone is, I set up my stuff a little different, and so hopefully, if it was me, now we don't have that problem again. Okay, and if it was me, I won't know how to fix it, so you all are just going to have to deal. (laughs) Yeah. Just ignore it like you ignore the dogs barking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I also would like to apologize in advance because um, we're going to discuss a book that is based in Greek mythology, and I cannot pronounce any of these people's names properly. I may just refer to them as him and her, so please forgive me. Um, I wish I knew more about Greek mythology before I read this book. It's funny because there's some characters in this book that are very easily recognized and you know exactly how to say their name. Yeah. But that is not the case for the two main characters. I don't, I don't recognize either of them. So I think you and I are going to be in the same boat here. Oh no. It's okay. All right. We never claim to be professional. Oh my God. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. That's our other disclosure. (laughs) we have no idea what we're doing so please deal please bear with us Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so i'm gonna let you start because his name's in the title of the book okay (laughs) (laughs) so being thrown under the bus as we speak is rachel okay yes perfect here we go out of the frying pan and into the fire yes Okay, so as always, we're going to talk about the book. So there's spoilers and explicit language. And here we go that we don't have time for foreplay because so much stuff happens in this book. We're just going to have to get straight to the wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, we we maybe have to talk a little (laughs) faster than normal. All right. then. Yeah. So this book is Asterion, The Court of the Underworld, book number one by Alessa Thorne. Yes. I might have already said all of those names incorrectly, <laughs> but oh, I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> oh, well. Yes. Be kind, people. Yes. The haters going to hate. <laughs> Ainters going to ain't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, this book starts out telling us about how Greek gods used to rule the lands. And then when man came into power, the gods had to go into hiding. But 
man being, you know, what they are, their economy collapses and there is so much turmoil and fighting that the gods had to come back and create a new world. And the new city is called Styx. There are monsters from the underworld that are now governing this city. Correct, Rachel? So far, so good. I really liked how the author incorporated things that we know from Greek mythology into this book, which I would consider an urban fantasy. Yes. And I did learn something because there's actually a band called sticks and I never knew because I look up a lot of these things that I don't know or I'm unfamiliar with sticks is, has to do with the underworld. And I never knew that the band was called, I was thinking sticks like a piece of wood, but not really because it was spelled differently. Um, okay. So it was interesting to me that this band that I knew in the 70s uh, is actually named after the underworld. Yeah, the river sticks and you have to cross it to get into the underworld. It's I love Greek mythology. Really? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Wow, I, I, I don't know you at all. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. I did a whole like classical literature course in college and it was fascinating were we speaking at that time i mean i didn't <laughs> wow you really do keep your private life private yeah. <laughs> well between that and my shit memory it's not necessarily always on purpose oh okay all right i'll, I'll so that it doesn't hurt my heart i will go with that okay all right <laughs> So the, the prologue of the book concludes by mentioning a song about a minotaur, a labyrinth, and a woman. And I thought, well, that's kind of an odd way to um, end it. But it all made sense in the end. Well, I'm glad you understood the prologue because it was a little too much like poetry for me. And I absolutely hate poetry and I barely skimmed it. I was like, I'm just going to skip this prologue because I don't like it. Well, that's really <laughs> sad because I actually used to write poetry and I've always loved poetry. So that's hilarious. You and your <laughs> Greek mythology and me and my poetry. Yeah, we balance each other out. I guess. Together, we almost know what's going on in the world. <laughs> Emphasis on almost. Almost, yes. <laughs> All right. So do you want to start? Uh, sure. With chapter one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's just dive right in. Yes. So this book doesn't waste any time just getting right into it because mm -hmm. chapter one starts with our main female character, Ariadne. That's how I say her name. Could be wrong. Strangling a man to death with a golden thread that is also her bracelet. And I was so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really interesting. Go ahead. So she strangles people to death using this special bracelet, this golden thread off of her bracelet. And then she bounds their hands in a cat's cradle. And if I'm just going to read a quote from the book, it says it was her modus operandi, a special way of letting his associates know just who was responsible for this kill. The cradle formed the symbol for abuser mm -hmm. in a language mm -hmm. only Ariadne and her dead sister knew her way of honoring Leah's restless shade in the afterlife. So a lot of stuff that she does, we'll find out is because of her sister that's passed away, Leah and kind of her unique job title. Sure, her nickname is Spindle. Her, she's an assassin, obviously. And her nickname is Spindle. 
And that is her signature move. And on top of killing this guy, um, they she wants everybody to know what a scumbag he is. So she scatters photos of his beaten and raped wife around his body. And then she takes off and hops on a train and disappears into the night. Yeah, I thought the start of this was great because it was just very fast paced. You get a lot of information in the first chapter right? about her, about this city in Greece. It's all set in Greece. And Corinth is the worst hit city after the uh, economy in Greece collapsed. It's 20 years after the collapse of the economy. And so Hades during that time frame has emerged from the underworld and he's kind of rebuilt um, the city. We also learn that Medusa is a media queen and CEO of Serpentine Industries, which I absolutely love. I love that too. <laughs> I thought this was so cleverly written. Yeah, it was great. And then there's also a quote I want to read. There was a running joke internationally that Hades had come back to make the New York City of Greece and had ended up with Gotham instead. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was great. That was the whole start of the chapter, really. And then we pick up the next day where she is going to work and she works at a place called the temple and the temple is basically owned and operated by a guy a real sleazeball oh named boy. Mino and we learn that the temple is a training ground for Greece's deadliest assassins and all of these assassins are girls basically orphans that Minos takes in. Yes people think that this temple is a finishing school for underprivileged girls run by this philanthropist, but he, all the girls are raised to become priestesses. And once they gr are graduated or have graduated, they owe him a large <laughs> debt. And by these making these girls work for him and pay him back, he's becoming incredibly wealthy. Yeah. And there's a very gross, like running theme in this book with Minos where he does this really uh, kind of gives you like the ick where he wants the girls to call him pater which means father it's really gross he has this like disgusting ugh. he just gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah he's a horrible person yeah so you instantly don't like him which is good he's very clearly the bad guy in this story or one of the bad guys yes in his generosity being such a great guy he rewards Ariadne for a job well done in murdering that one guy by giving her a week off. Oh, and by the way, here are the ashes of your dead sister, Leah. I've been keeping them in my desk drawer. She is his best assassin. And he and wants to manipulate her with anything he possibly can to keep her under his thumb. He lost her sister. They went to this temple together and her sister died. And he has been holding the ashes of her poor dead sister and finally gives them to her as a sign that he could trust her. And at that point, she realizes that he's never going to give her her freedom. So she takes the ashes of her sister. She goes to her apartment. She doesn't live at the temple. It's kind of her one act of rebellion is that she takes the stipend that she's allowed from Minos to pay for a basically shithole apartment yes. in a seedy part of town. When she gets there, she checks her mail. She's got a mysterious envelope with a cell phone and a pin. And when she calls the number that she's given, 
using the cell phone, she's greeted with this ominous, we are the pithos and we have a job for you, Spindle. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Just when you thought most of the drama had already started, it's actually just beginning. That's correct. <laughs> they want to hire her secretly and they do not want Minos to know about the job. Uh, because they would like to also rid Greece of people like Aminos, which, of course, she is very interested in. Her main goal in life is to get under Minos's thumb and get out hopefully, from under. Yeah, and bonus points if he dies along the way. Yeah, oh, sad. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> oh, darn. Darn. So they offer her... I make you an offer you cannot refuse. Yes. <laughs> She's offered... <laughs> Five million drachma to do this assassin job for them secretly. And they claim they are monster hunters. And in addition to paying her money, they're going to give her enough information that will destroy Minos. So, of course, she's interested. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She jumps on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And they say, you know, you hunt and destroy our monster we will destroy your monster. Kind of a tit-for-tat situation. And then at this point, the money is just bonus, right? Correct. So then she goes outside to await a new delivery from Pithos and kind of like spy. We get to see her and her friend, Dimmy, who runs basically a food truck. So she kind of hangs out with Dimmy. She waits to see who's going to show up. She ends up getting a package delivered. It's a laptop and some information about the guy that she is supposed to off. His name is Asterian Deese. He's the owner of a nightclub, Diogenes, and an illegal, literally underground, gladiatorial fighting pit. He is... Then she's... I'm sorry. Well, I I was going to say that um, he, that what they do in this fighting pit is that the people that are wealthy actually as entertainment, watch these people fight to the death. And it's usually run by the worst criminals in the city. And on top of it, she finds out that he's business partners with Hades and his friends. So this could be even more dangerous than any other job she's ever taken. Uh, but because of the money and the information to destroy Minos, it's definitely, she's still going to go for it. Yeah, it's kind of a high risk, high reward situation that she's definitely just going to do. Yes. So she starts to track down uh, her target. And when she sees him, he's not a really big guy, but he's incredibly good looking and she's instantly attracted to him. He also has a couple of bodyguards with him when he arrives downtown at an old office building uh, that was left over. And as she's watching his movements, she's shocked to see that he's greeted by a mob of kids and a priest that are actually very happy to see him. And she hears him talking to the priest about getting a new roof when she pretends to bump into him to kind of initiate flirting with him. Yeah, I'm glad you had notes on that because I totally forgot about that scene. Oh, well, that's how they meet. How could you forget? Well, I remember that. So she's pretending to like go to a gym downtown near where he works or near the building that he owns. Yes. And she arranges an accidental meeting with him by literally bumping into him on the street and pretending to be like a tourist fish out of water. I don't know where I am. 
you know, help me, please. Right. <laughs> I, I remembered all that. Yeah, because nobody, uh, anybody that knew him would never have the balls to approach him or touch him. So they think she really doesn't know who he is and that she really is lost because there's no way in hell anybody that in the right mind would touch this guy. Um, she starts flirting with him because that's what her signature move. She's in, she is also incredibly attractive. We need to mention that. And she men just fawn all over her. So she um, has used this move a million times, but as soon as she, she looks in his eyes, she feels like she's the one that's caught. And she thinks he's the most handsome target that she has ever had. Uh, and she is thinking what a shame it is that she's going to have to kill this guy because she certainly would like to hit that. <laughs> a little extreme version of hit it and quit it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hit it and kill it, I suppose. Yes. So she um, is attracted to him, does the little flirt thing, and then she starts to walk away knowing that he's going to stop her. Which, of course, he does. And he hands her his business card, The Labyrinth, written on it. And it's a nightclub that he owns. Um, and she ends up leaving. She waits three days to show up at the nightclub. And for three days, this guy cannot get her out of his head. Because normally women are throwing themselves at him. And he thought for sure she'd show up the first night. He keeps looking for her. His bodyguards notice that he is in his own head thinking about her. So she takes three days to show up. He's losing his mind because he can't get her out of his head and he doesn't know why. When she finally shows up at the nightclub, she's immediately surrounded by men at the bar and Asteron uh, walks over to her, basically staking his claim. She ends up convincing him that she really likes blood sports yeah, because I think the gym she was pretending to go to was like a kickboxing gym or something. So yes. she kind of plays up on that and it's like, oh, you guys have like fighting here. I love fighting. It's so like I love the blood and all so the manly same, pretty much. Yeah. And can I can I mention something about her and what she's wearing at the club? Oh, honey, yes. Go right ahead. Yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> so before she gets to the club, Asterion has an internal thought or something that I loved. He thinks about how he could just about smell the secrets on her. And I loved that line because it's so fitting for her. Yeah. She does have a lot of secrets. Yes. And then, of course, when she shows up at the club, she's wearing a red dress. And he thinks to himself, she had to wear that fucking color. The dark creature he kept locked inside roared. Yeah. And Asterion gripped the railing so hard the metal <laughs> bent under his hand. <laughs> Like, oh, I loved it. I loved it, too. They're great together. But go ahead. Tell them what else she does with that dress. You're going to have to tell them because I don't. Oh, well, OK, sorry. <laughs> so she talks him into taking her down to the labyrinth. But before she goes to the labyrinth, she says, oh, I need to go use the powder room. And she goes into the ladies room. and She takes her panties off so that she has no underwear on, obviously. And then she walks back out to him. You don't remember that okay. part? I thought that was hot. I know. I don't. I mean, I remember that part, but that's not what I focused on when she went in the bathroom. When she goes into the bathroom, she's kind of very flustered because she's having all these feelings for him. Yes. Uh, before she goes into the bathroom, there's this run in with somebody who calls Asterion the Minotaur. And she 
kind of is like, that's weird. Why is that your nickname? And he goes, oh, that used to be my fighting name when I used to fight in the pits. Oh, right. And then, so when she goes in the bathroom, she's a little flustered and she's trying to like get in the zone of like, this is a job. This is a contract. He's just a John, basically. She has this whole thought. We learn something about her past. She had a history with this woman named Madame Zira. Ugh. Who is a disgusting, just like Minos. She was a brothel owner of sorts. It's being generous, I think, to call her a brothel owner. She trained girls in how to seduce men. And it's just like emphasis on girls. She had this whole thing with her very young. It's disgusting. So that's what I focused on with the bathroom scene. Not the, but yes, she does take her panties off and uses every weapon at her disposal, even her body. Correct. So she leaves the bathroom. She runs into this guy named Nikos, who I think was also the guy who made that Minotaur comment. He kind of is trying to like, oh, I'm doing you a favor by telling you to stay away from him. He can't be trusted, whatever. He gets a little too close for comfort. Asterion comes out of nowhere, almost kills the guy. Yes. For getting too close to what is his. His. Mm -hmm. And she's able to like put her hand on his arm or hand on his chest and like instantly calm him down after this whole like quick run in. They go downstairs to the fighting pit. And I think she sits on his lap the whole time. They do some snuggling. They do a Yeah, they do a lot of talking, but also like heavy petting Mm -hmm. while they're watching the fighting. Yes. It was pretty good. Yeah, the fighting thing, it gets really hot and heavy between them. And he he ends up picking her up because he realizes this girl's not wearing underwear and he's super turned on. And he ends up picking her up and carrying her all the way to the elevator and up to his apartment. Yeah, I loved this. Oh, me too. They're definitely focusing on each other and not focusing on the fighting. And they do some like light, heavy petting. I don't know why I call it light. It's not light yeah, at it's all. Not they, light. They do- <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay, go ahead. They do some heavy petting, like in their viewing box of the thing. And then he literally just picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, and storms off. Yes. And takes her straight to the bedroom. And it was really good. It was super good. I don't have a lot of notes on this scene. I just thought it was really hot. You have to read it for yourself. At one point, you know, she's kind of scratches him a little bit. He's kind of, they're rough with each other, mm-hmm. but not in a like bad way, just in a, they're so into it. They can't really control themselves. Yes. And so, she is in her heart. She's thinking she's does not want to go through with this because she's f- never felt this way towards a guy. She, he, she's instantly as attracted to him as he is to her, but a job's a job. Ever the professional. Correct. <laughs> After they're done, she gets up, she goes to the bathroom, which, you know, health note, you should, women should always do that after they have smexy times. Yes. And so she goes to the bathroom. He thinks nothing of it, but he's starting to kind of feel a little weird, a little fuzzy. Yes. She, she returns with like this mask on. She's in the zone. She says to him, I don't want to do this, but I don't have a choice anymore. I really wish we could have met in another lifetime, Asterion. And then she proceeds to take her thread bracelet death contraption and she (laughs) strangles him to death. Yes. And when she scratched him, she induced a poison into him to, or a sedative to knock him out. 
so that she could strangle him easier because he was so much bigger than her that she realized that she wouldn't, she would have a hard time overpowering him and it would be easier for her to, to kill him. I was like shocked when she killed him. I'm like, what? We still have the rest of the book to go. Me too. So she, so the chapter ends with her strangling him to death. And then, so she ends up strangling him. She says for a full minute to ensure that like the job actually worked. Right. And basically as soon as she's done strangling him to death, his, he kind of does this like weird, creepy transformation. His head turns into that of a minotaur. And then she just is like, Oh my God, the minotaur was not his fighting name. He actually is the minotaur. The minotaur. The minotaur. I'm so screwed at this point. (laughs) She freaks out. And because he's the nephew of the God Hades and a member of the conference of six, which also includes Medusa. Yeah. So she starts to panic. She's like, when they said to kill their monster, I thought they were just, you know, being a figure of speech. Yeah. Figure of speech. (laughs) She's like, I didn't know they meant a literal monster. She's like, I'm so fucked right now. Yes. Yeah. She can't escape that apartment fast enough. And she's livid that she was tricked by, how do you say the name of that? Pinthos? Pithos? Pithos. And it not only has to flee the town from um, the Minotaur and Hades, but also from Minos, because once he finds out that she was doing a side job, he's going to kill her and all these people are going to hunt and da- hunt her down to the ends of the earth and kill her. So she, she gets on the phone. They tell, she's like livid yelling. Why didn't you tell me blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I, I killed him. So she just wants to collect her payoff and get out of there. And on top of killing a guy, she was attracted to killing a guy. She never should have tried to kill him in the first place. They tell her, well, he's not dead. So they're not going to pay her. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? I saw his dead body. Yeah, she's pissed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'll just leave it. Yeah, understatement. She's pissed. She's screwed. She's not going to get the money. She's like, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. So then the next chapter starts and we're now in Asterion's POV and it's him coming too. And Hades is there. And of course, Hades is like giving him a light little chastising, you know, how could she pull a fast one on you sort of thing. Right. And we learned that one of Hades employees, Thanatos is the one that, pulled Asterion's shade back before it could cross over. So he was dead, just not that dead. Well, like he got to him just in time. Yeah. He had like the Greek myth version of the paddles in the ER, like, (laughs) you know, kind of blipped him a little. Mm -hmm. They quickly realized that she is actually spindle and that from what they can think, Minos is the one that put the hit on him because they know that spindle works for Minos. Right. Um, Asterion goes to the temple. He confronts Minos, who, of course, denies it everything because even though he is a shitty person, he actually did not have anything right. to do with he it. Nothing. <laughs> he was actually innocent for once in his life. Yes. And Asterion thinks, that minx, that sneaky little minx. He's having a hard <laughs> time um, 
adjusting or coming to grips with the fact that he's so attracted to her and there's something really special about her and the bitch killed him. So he's having a, <laughs> he's having a really hard time with it. Well, yeah, she killed me. But then at the same time, like there was, she was special. She wasn't like other girls. basically. Right. He's like literally trying to follow her scent around. And so he finds her apartment. Oh, that you know what? That's important because it said like transference of blood or, or, transference maybe it was you know because they had sex i don't know but he can then track her by scent yeah i think he almost bit her he bit her a little bit when they were having sex or something and he didn't really claim her right. but he marked he her marked almost her, yeah i think they call it yeah so he marked her and so he's trying to like use that mark combined with her scent or i i don't know i didn't mind it at all oh, i'm no. kind of i kind of like the scent thing yes. so he he can kind of like smell things out in her apartment. He's like, it smells like panic and mm -hmm. she's afraid. Why would she be afraid if she killed me? You know, she kind of like took her stuff and ran. And then he's like, well, why does she live in this shithole to begin with? She's like the high priestess of the temple. She should be living in the lap of luxury. Right. So, so he's putting, you know, two and two together and realizing not it's not all adding up it's not all what you think it would be maybe there is something when she said I, I i don't have a choice when she was killing him but saying i'm sorry i don't have a choice he's starting to think there's a lot more to this story than he knows yeah and then he decides that he wants to find her before me knows and before this whoever this other bad guy might be because he's kind of thinking there's some outside influence at play Yes, and she has no clue that he can follow her scent. But it takes it takes a full. She's hiding out in a seaside town, selling ice cream. <laughs> I, you know, I could just see it all in my head. And oh yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, I did too. So she's not very far from uh, the town where she committed the the crime and where she killed him. But she's been hiding there for six weeks. She's he finally tracks her down. This is, for me, this is the beginning of even more great stuff in this book. <laughs> yes? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it because, you know, we it picks up six weeks later from her perspective. And she's literally selling ice cream on the beach. Yeah. Then on the flip side, he's losing his ever-loving mind in the course of six weeks. And it's almost as if she's on a vacation. <laughs> yeah. I just saw her as relaxed as me. Well, this is sea air is nice. Look at the children getting the ice cream. Yeah, I think when he finally finds her, he makes a reference to how pissed off he is because she's got like a tan. Yeah. And she's like that beach wave. Yes. He's like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah, she's not like, you know, hiding in a back alley you know, fearing for her life. She's like hiding in plain sight in like a tourist town, getting her tan on, right. getting a job. Right. She's got a place to live. Yes. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So he uh, confronts her in the hotel room, finding her obviously. And she's, I, I love this part. She's just very complacent and she spills her guts to him about being hired by Pithos, Pithos yeah. um, to kill him. And she understands that she's going to die at his hands now. And she understands that this is her, because of the business that she's in, this is just the way it is. She also explains to him that why she didn't have a choice, that she was trying to get away from Minos. 
on top of everything else, she lets him know that there's a mole in his operation that has been feeding all of his information to the enemy. Yeah, this part was kind of sad. Yeah. To me, because when he finds her, she just like instantly gives up. She's just like, okay, well, I got six more weeks to live. And she's just like, I know he's going to kill me. And that's just like how little she has to live for. She like the only thing she asks for is she asks for a chance to explain her side of the story before he returns her to Minos because she's like, well, let me just explain what I did before you killed me. It's sad. Right. Um, She says, I fucked you because I wanted to. And then I killed you because I had to. It was all for nothing anyways. And it, oh, that part just like broke my I heart know, a little bit. Like yeah. poor thing. She's just, she has like nothing, you know? And she was just trying for the her one chance and it failed. And she's just, she just gives up and it like broke my heart. And it kind of broke Asterion's yes. heart a little bit as well that he, you know, his, very little interactions with her she's been like fiery she's had the spirit and now she's just like just done yeah it's just like a shell of a person it's sad yeah but then it gets good so (laughs) while he's confronting yeah it's only sad for a yeah you know a couple pages yes keep reading it's really good (laughs) so while he's confronting her in the hotel room they suddenly come under gunfire from pethos's men and the organization is angry that the gods have taken over greece and they want it returned to humans and that means destroying all the monsters which means the gods as soon as the bullets start flying eridan throws herself on top of Assyrian to keep him <laughs> from getting killed this scene was great because they were like sitting on the bed talking to each other or something and when it starts she like rolls them off the bed and i could just like picture it perfectly that she's like the hero she's yes. trying to be a hero or something so she like covers his huge mouth <laughs> it's like trying to cover like an entire house with like a little baby blanket yes <laughs> he's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like, yeah he's shocked that she tried yeah, to. Di- she's trying to protect him you literally killed me and i didn't die you think like two bullets are gonna hurt me like what the hell yes <laughs> it was awesome it was awesome <laughs> yeah so he's going to they're gonna try to figure out a way to kill these people or and get to the car And before they start taking off, I love this so much. Before they take off to the car, he asks her if she's hiding any weapons. Yeah, he says to her, do you have any weapons? And he gestures to her sundress and she's full of blood because they're fighting these people and they kill them all. And she says, I have no pockets because of the patriarchy. And I laugh so freaking hard. I love the fact that this book can take you from this really intense uh, scene where they're being shot at in a hotel. And the, the heroine (laughs) is incredibly funny and witty and just a great character. Yeah. I, I highlighted that as well. I thought it was awesome. Yes. (laughs) She, she's actually, so she says that thing about her pockets because she keeps bullets in her bra. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) So he was like, uh, should I ask why we're hiding them there? Why you're hiding them there? And then she makes that comment about like, well, I have no pockets. And it's so true because it's like, right. 
it just re- makes me think of you know when like women get a dress mm-hmm. and it has pockets yes. and so when somebody compliments you on the dress you're always like it has, it has pockets, pockets. <laughs> yeah the most exciting thing in the world it's like <laughs> second best only to it was on sale right exa- <laughs> right exactly yeah it's totally reminded me of that because mm-hmm. i've definitely done that in real life and like it has pockets it's awesome right <laughs> yes so funny yeah so they they managed to escape and get back to his apartment he literally rips the refrigerator door oh, off god, and uses so it as like funny. a <laughs> oh my god it was so funny <laughs> to keep the bullets from hitting them that's his shield yeah it was great i could and see so it they- all in my head I know it's very like visual. I could definitely picture everything that was happening in this book. It was great. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they get there, she goes to shower off. And of course he just joins her in the shower, which was, I, I loved it because even though they've only had a little bit of interactions and even though she killed him, yeah, they just have this very like, easy relationship to them and very like natural like well i'm gonna shower you shower with me so we can save time and they do this whole like debrief over what's going on in conversation in in the like shower and it's like okay honey pass me the shampoo okay now here it's your turn to use the body wash kind of thing it was pretty cool as they're in the shower she realizes that she actually got injured during yeah yeah during the uh escape from the hotel room yes and he's very concerned she says like just rip that piece out and he's like well do you want to like go to like the medic room and we'll get some like um what do you call it numbing uh numbing numbing stuff numbing like my brain is numb yeah that's why i knew (laughs) that word (laughs) yeah (laughs) so she's like no she's like just you know just rip it out i've had worse and he's like oh so he goes to rip it out but he like does a distraction at the same time by biting her on the hip oh it was so hot it was really hot yeah these two are hot oh yeah it was great so it's like gross but at the same time super hot and then they do a quick um it kind of escalates from there right they do like a little bit of foreplay and she's like, you can do all of my yeah. uh, patching up from I now on that. if this is how it's going to be. Yes. She goes, from now on, you get to do all of my first aid. And it was really cute and hot. It was. Who would have thought taking a bullet out of somebody would be so hot? Yeah, this book does a great job of mixing in the like battle scenes with the sexy time scenes with the humor. You get a lot of everything all the time, but it works. So they leave the bathroom. They go to eat. She ends up giving them the laptop from Pithos. The next morning, um, Hades and his trio of helpers have a conversation with her kind of one-on-one. She's sleeping on the sofa and she opens her eyes and there's three men surrounding her. One of them says to the other, you better not get too close to her because Asteria is going to be pissed if he comes walking out here and sees you leaning over her. And, and she's like, well, who the hell are you people? What are you doing? It's kind of a bad wake up call for her. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is an understatement and a half. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, and I think now is the point where she realizes that Asterion is Hades nephew. So she's like, oh God, like I'm really dead now. He kind of has like, so I wouldn't really say that Hades is like a seer, but he almost is in the respect that he kind of can see what people are thinking 
or he can get information on them from the people that have crossed over to the underworld. Well, he he can get into her head, her brain, and she actually yells at him at one point to get out of my head because it's yeah, painful. Yeah, and I think he starts bringing up Leah and then she gets kind of pissed off and she yells at him. It was kind of a cool interaction. He wants her to figure out the whole mystery behind Pythos and who they are. Mm -hmm. At some point, I think Asterion shows up and Hades basically ends the conversation by saying he wants Ariadne to go through the labyrinth, which is kind of this battleground course that all of the people that work for Asterion go through. Yeah, in order to become his bodyguard, you have to survive the labyrinth and very mm -hmm. few people do because it's so incredibly dangerous i just love this part because she doesn't even miss a beat and she's like she's not concerned because you know after wit witnessing what uh minos has put the assassins through for training it can't be more difficult than that she's like okay this will be fine so much so that she makes a bet with one of hate i think it's one of hades henchmen and she's like okay when i end up winning yeah. or not even winning when i end up surviving yes the labyrinth you're gonna owe me 50 drachma i got this right she's not worried <laughs> at all she's like no she's totally into it she loves to that kind of stuff excites her she's a little crazy yes and <laughs> but in a, a good way <laughs> yes and uh asturian is really upset that hades wants her to go through this and hades just says he's he's not as forgiving and if she can survive the labyrinth then he's gonna she will win their trust kind of an evil genius at this point because he kind of realizes that none of asturian's men are gonna forgive her for trying to murder him unless she proves herself by going through the labyrinth. So that's kind of his overall goal. It's not really a punishment for her. He's almost trying to help her. Can we go back to the shower scene for a moment? Because. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So when they're having their conversation and he's trying to help her with that bullet, he says to her, you know, it might soften me up if you start calling me master. And she says, "You, I think we both know I'm not into soft. He says to her, you're intimidating incompetent and you made them all look bad the night you almost killed me and mm -hmm. i swear i'm never gonna get laid again because they're never gonna let me alone with a woman she says are you are all your men so beady so bitchy and disobedient and he says only since you came along <laughs> I, I love their banter i just absolutely love it it's it's so funny because it's like typical ego crushing for them they they almost care less that he was almost murdered they care more that it made them look bad at the jobs they were doing and she's just like oh they're so like their lack of confidence is annoying oh and something else that she <laughs> says to him which i think is really important is she saw you know his minotaur his beast and she says to him your minotaur doesn't scare me either in case you're still wondering she says, magical yeah. creatures are rare enough. You're kind of a miracle. I never thought I'd see one in my lifetime. And he is so blown away that she would think of him that way. It was really sweet. It was She's very like, sweet. You're a magical creature, but not in the way to like frighten me or disgust me. She's like, basically like you're a unicorn and I'm going to celebrate you. Yeah. And he's so blown away that he's, he's got this dazed look on her, 
on his face. And she says, what's the matter, master? Never seen a naked girl before. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, I love them together. And then they end up in the shower. Okay. It was good. All right. So then we go back to her waking up on the sofa, recovering and being told she has to go through the labyrinth. Yeah. So then she goes into the labyrinth and I loved this part so much. <laughs> They're in like their separate area up high i kind of picture them like up high at a stadium yes looking down mm -hmm. into like the pit of the labyrinth and so they can kind of see her go through this obstacle course maze labyrinth thing mm -hmm. and of course asterion is shitting his pants yes. because he's worried about her because he knows what's in there and she wasn't even allowed to bring a weapon yeah. into the labyrinth to protect every herself. Other they were like every other person. Oh, there is one bodyguard in particular that just hates her and is an absolute dick to her. And he's mm -hmm. loving the fact that she has to go through this. And I believe he's the one that takes her down there to start the labyrinth. And she walks in and sees all these weapons. And she says, I'll happily do the labyrinth if it means you'll all stop bitching at me. And there's assorted weapons on the rack. And he says to her, you can't have one. And she goes, not even a little baby sword? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, he, he tells her, no, Hades orders. <laughs> so funny. I could just like picture her like rolling her eyes. Yeah. When she's like, this is such a waste of my time. Right. And my talent. Yes. To make you cry babies feel better and now you won't even give me a freaking sore yeah <laughs> like, all right like, okay let's do this I'm fine yeah <laughs> your fragile male egos can't handle it but okay yeah <laughs> so do you want to talk about what happens when she goes through the labyrinth yeah i'll just like briefly go over what it doesn't even really matter what she does in the labyrinth what matters most is how she's very excited to yeah. go through it and she goes through it with ease and as she's going through it we also get I think her going through the labyrinth is told from Asterion's perspective. So he's watching her. She actually looks excited. He's like, oh, this bitch is crazy yeah. in the best possible way. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's like the effed in the head, better in bed. He's like all about it. He thinks it's awesome, but he's also scared for her. As she's going through the labyrinth, he's kind of having conversations with Hades mm -hmm. and the other guys that are watching. And then Medusa <laughs> is, keeps texting yeah. Hades. Mm -hmm. And like... Five seconds into Ariadne starting the labyrinth, Medusa texts Hades and offers $2 million or 2 million drachma for her immediately. Right. And then, <laughs> which I, I just love that she's, you know, up there in her little serpentine tower. Yes watching through all her video um, tech. Mm -hmm. And she's like instantly in love with her and she's like that's my fucking best friend yes, right there that's like, gonna be my bff <laughs> i will need this bitch to come work for me yeah she wants her to work for her i by the end of this scene i actually had medusa like pegged as my favorite character I, in the book you know what i love medusa <laughs> yeah i i really liked her too as soon as ariadne gets through the end of the labyrinth which she does very quickly of, of course, course because she's so good at what she yeah. does um, Medusa texts again to Hades to tell Asterion. She says, Medusa says, if you kill her, I'll turn you into the world's ugliest bird path <laughs> and what looks like a smiling poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, can, I just picture it like 
Asterian as a like minotaur birdbath with like little birds yes. on his head <laughs> pooping on him. <laughs> yeah, and and one of the the three brothers that hang out with Hades, what is his name? Erebus. He, yeah, Erebus. He's super right. turned on after watching her and it, it, do this thing, <laughs> and he and he says to. Astron, he's like, are you sure I can't convince you to let me have her? And Astron's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, they're, one of them is pissed off she survived. One yeah. of them is like, oh my god, this is the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I want her. And I can't remember what the other guy. So yeah, so, <laughs> so it basically Hades' plan works for the most part, and all the guys are kind of fangirling, and Medusa, they're all obsessed with her now. Yes, and so Astron jumps down at the stairs and goes to get her, and he walks in there to make sure she's okay, and she's standing there having an argument with the person that she bet about going through the labyrinth with. Yeah, she's like, I need my 50 bucks, dude. <laughs> yeah, you lost. Cough <laughs> it up. And he's like blown away that this woman is just standing there like nothing. Nothing even happened. In his head, he says he'd be surprised if all his men weren't a little in love with her right now. Mm -hmm. We're all a little in love with her at this point. Yeah, exactly. Including me. Something happened. She got scratched or stabbed or something. And he scoops her up again. He scoops her up and tells her, stop talking. Your body's laced with poison. We need to treat it. And she feels fire racing through her veins and she's just screaming and screaming. This part's bad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, she got scratched. And <laughs> I love how she's like still fighting over the money. And he's like, a girl, you're going to die. Right. You see a poison. Like, this is poison. <laughs> we got to handle this. You can fight about the money later. Yeah, get your 50 bucks later if you survive the poison now. Yes. So he ends up uh, caring for her wounds, tending to her in her like delirious poisoned state. She ends up confessing what happened with Leah. Oh, this it's, was horrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. So now you get the full backstory why she really hates Minos. Um, by the end of it, when she's recovering from the poison, um, he ends up forgiving forgiving her for everything he says that they need to destroy pythos together and he promises that minos mm -hmm. will die at the end either by her hand or his and so they kind of come to this agreement to work together so or, do you want to talk about or about what happened with her sister or do you want to leave that as a surprise i think we should just probably leave okay. it we've got so much yeah, more to yeah, cover. I know. go ahead yeah it was pretty bad um so then I don't, it's like the next day or who knows when Medusa comes over to Asterion's place. Um, I say she's awesome. She's definitely my favorite side character. Yeah. I kind of, I picture her. So she's described as having like red hair glasses mm -hmm. and the glasses like she invented herself to kind of stop from the like freezing people mm -hmm. thing that she does. She reminds me of a mix between like poison Ivy mm. and um, did you ever watch the arrow? God, um, yeah. Are you kidding? Show? Have you seen him? Yes, of course. Oh, I just watched it the other day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I love I love that show too. She reminds me of a mix of Poison Ivy and Felicity. Oh, yes. Main girl. Mm -hmm. I that's how that's what I picture yes. when I think of Medusa. Asterion explains a little bit more about his magical monster that he has in him. I just have that she like makes out with him before he has to go to a staff meeting and 
Medusa was just there. Yeah, they Medusa and her end up having coffee together. She's still trying to get Asterion to get her to work for Medusa. And she's like, she's got big ovaries on her to sass the boss. And she saw, I'm so in love with her. We're going to be besties in no time. Aridin is grinning over a cup of coffee and says, I like you, Medusa. And Medusa goes, better than Asturian? <laughs> Do you like me the most? Yeah, Do you want yeah, to come work for me? Yeah. And then <laughs> she says something to her like, can you, can you see a mark? Right? Okay. Because he, I don't remember. Oh, he, or maybe it's Hades that tells her that he did mark her, her and anybody with a drop of magical blood in them can tell that you're his. Okay. Yeah. I just remember Medusa was great in this scene. And she, she I think Medusa says at some point to Asterion, you can't treat her, her being Ariadne, like a princess mm-hmm. when she's an assassin. So she's kind of like, trying to win over Ariadne to work for her and be her BFF. Right. But then she's also trying to help Asterion in their relationship. And she wants her to stay because she knows, Medusa knows that Asterion likes her and feels for her and that she's good for him. Yeah. And he basically comes to the like agreement or he tells her, I want you to stay, but not because you're a prisoner. I want you to stay because you want to Mm -hmm. pretty much. Yes. So then, of course, as soon as Asterion goes off to his staff meeting, <laughs> she stays for like five right. minutes before she fucks off completely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and does her own thing. And I, I love that. She's like, yeah, I'll stay, but I got work to do. Right. And I'm not just going to sit here, you know, in the kitchen waiting for you to come home from work. Yeah, she's a, a freaking assassin. Well, the best yeah, she's assassin. assassin work. Yeah, she's got <laughs> things to do. Yeah, so she wants uh, Medusa. She texts Medusa, and she wants to get cameras set up around the Pythos building. And she's like, can you help a sister out? And, of course, Medusa says yes, that she will help her. Because they're trying to find out who who all the members of this group are and who who these enemies are of them so they can take them out. I'm going to need, you know, this, this, and this so I can like scale this building and set up all this stuff. And Medusa's just like, it'll be in the lobby of my building in 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> and then, so she goes, she does all this like crazy stuff. She sets all of it up, but she's like talking to Medusa through like a headset the whole time. So we get more of that, which is awesome. And then she does it successfully. And then she returns back to Asterion's apartment. Right. To watch the, the camera set up. And he realizes after he leaves his meeting that she's gone. And he's trying not to freak out. He's trying to figure, he's trying to remember what Medusa said that, you know, she's an assassin and he's dying inside, but he's going to just hang with it and see if she returns to him. So he's like mad and freaking out, but he's also not trying to like smother her, which I really like. Yes. He just like tells her when she comes back, he goes, I hate that the thing that stresses me out the most is also one of the things I admire about you. He doesn't want to change her. He's just trying to figure out how to cope with it, Mm -hmm. which I thought was great. Right. But then he's also, he's of course, because he's like, you know, a minotaur and all these things. He's a little growly when he's talking and when he's saying things. And she just very quickly like says back to him, using your growly voice to frighten me doesn't work. It only turns me (laughs) on. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'll just say that his way of punishing her for her sneaking off, stealing his phone, doing all these things and like worrying him, his punishment was the best because he just punishes her by eating her out. Yeah. And then like fucking her to within an inch of her life. Yes. <laughs> it was it was great. I'm like, can't we all just be punished like yeah, this? Like it's- nobody wants to them those two more in bed than the people re- and this happening than everyone reading this book. It's like that don't threaten me with a good yes. time sort of thing. It's like <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Is this a punishment or a reward? But we all loved it. Yes, of course. Yeah. So then the next day, they just do kind of a basic day of surveillance and recon using all that um, equipment that she set up the day before. And they kind of brainstorm a plan to ambush Pythos and they figure out um, you know, they have to be careful because they do think there's a mole, but they don't know who it could be. Right. And they finally, what does she see? She sees something on the video that kind of gives her a heads up of who the leader of this pithos group is. And they decide to act immediately and descend on the building. Yeah, I don't remember what kind of triggers them to just go for it, but they do. They just kind of are like, okay, now's our chance. And so they go into the building. It doesn't really matter like what they're doing when they're in there. I don't think they just like have a big fight scene. They figure out who the mole is. Ugh, yeah. Um, while they're having all this fighting, some of Minos's assassins also show up. So we get to see some of them in action. Yeah. And they're screaming at her that she's a traitor. Yeah. Yeah. And they have shot Assyrian. So he's laying in a puddle of blood. Asterion is hurt. They're very quickly overrun. She ends up getting kidnapped by the end of it. Oh, it's and terrible. They, yeah, they realize it was a lure and a trap to get Asterion back to the, they say, back to the darkness where he belongs. They want to, like, throw him back in the labyrinth or throw him back under a mountain or something terrible. They want to put and him back in the labyrinth because he explained how his father put him in the labyrinth, who weirdly was also named Minos. I think... It's like almost a nickname for being like Minotaurs themselves. I couldn't really figure that part out, honestly. Okay. So she says something to him before she gets taken oh, away. This was great. Oh, I don't have the direct quote. She says something like, um, I have it. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead. She's all, listen to me, Astrin. You need to get better, and then you need to come find me. You did it once, so I know you can do it again. Don't make me wait too long because I'm pretty sure I'm in love with you. Do you hear me? Oh, oh yeah that's right she does this like confession yeah. she's like oh it was bad it was really bad and he can't get up and protect her or anything and they take her away yeah so they get separated and then we go to um ariadne's point of view she wakes up in this like crappy cell Ugh. where she's being uh, detained there's a the ever infamous bad guy monologue by the uh, mole from the book. And he's explaining why he was a mole, why he did what he did. And then she ends up getting tortured Ugh. by a, I say a pithos bad guy, but I think it was actually a woman who was like in a shroud or something. I'm not or sure. Was it, a, was it a guy? It doesn't really matter. She ends up getting tortured. It was horrible. Yes. And it t- takes, doesn't it take days? It takes days. Yeah, so then we flip to Asterion's POV, and he's been trying to recover for four days. Mm. So even though 
even though they took Ariadne to the cell, they did not take Asterion at the same time. They just wounded him. So he's back at home being tended to. Um, Medusa ends up coming over and bringing him like a computer or something. She's got, she ends up getting live footage of Ariadne. Yeah. Being tortured. So then, yeah. So then he ends up getting another two days pass where he's just like obsessively watching the screen of her getting tortured. And at one point Hades comes over to check on him or something. And while he's there, he says something like, do you realize that you're being haunted? And Asterion's like, well, no. Like, why would I know that? Like, yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, Hades has this whole conversation with the shade that is haunting Asterion. And it turns out that it's Leah. I love this. The sister. Yeah, this part was great. Um, So he has this whole conversation. And she kind of does like a Pictionary Mm -hmm. with Hades trying to describe (laughs) what what she's trying to say because Leah knows where Ariadne is. And she wants them to find her. Yes. Yeah. So she she comes back to like help, even though like you would think she would be mad because of what went down between them, but she's not. Mm -hmm. So she ends up telling them where Ariadne is. Yes. And so they have to rescue her. Right. So they have taken her to the labyrinth and I guess this is the big lure to get, Astron there and he, he when he finds out where she is he is just full of rage and fear for her and Hades tells him the place doesn't have any more power over you anymore you know you're you're free yeah because he has so many like traumatic memories from being there for like centuries right? or something yes but that's not so gonna Hades- stop him because his woman's there yeah Hades is just kind of like snap out of it she needs you you're never gonna be trapped there again like it's not just you by yourself anymore. Right. You have all of us yes. and you have me and like have faith in us mm-hmm. that we will be there for you. So it was a good little pep talk from Hades. Right. And Hades isn't going with them though. Hades is, he says, I'm going to be with Medusa. She has eyes on the site and is making popcorn. So they're, <laughs> they're going to sit and watch, you know, through the, the video feed of what's going down there. Yeah. He's either super confident in everyone's ability to get the job done or he has something about him where he cannot interfere directly in things that are happening yeah I don't, <laughs> either way it's great i don't know <laughs> and, and i love this because erebus is going into the fight with him to rescue her and he sighs and he's clutching at his heart and he says i hope that she dumps you when she sees me in battle it's <laughs> <laughs> oh like even though this it's horrifying and you're dying because this poor woman's being tortured for days and you want her rescued so badly. There's still humor in there. That is just makes this book so good. Mm-hmm. I'm just helping you so I could steal your woman. That's right. <laughs> because it's all about him and her, I guess. I don't know. So they all go to the site and they proceed to attack and rescue her. They end up killing the mole mm-hmm. and Asterion and Ariadne are trying to like leave where they are and they get to like the entrance or the exit of the cave area. Mm -hmm. And there's a cage that is there blocking the entrance. And so he, of course, starts to freak out that there's a cage there and he's now he feels really trapped. 
and he like goes to touch the um, bars to move it out of the way so they can leave. And it does something to the Minotaur inside of him. It makes it like um, hurt or like hide away or something. And so it's this cage has like magical powers right. to it. So Hades three guys end up like taking a SUV or something like wrapping chains around it and moving the cage out of the way so that Ariadne and Asterion can get out of there. Yeah. And so they're able to finally escape. Yeah. So that cage or that magical thing is going to play a bigger role, I think in future book, but just know that there's some property to it. Yeah. I was thinking, why didn't they destroy that thing? I I was thinking that, but you're right. I'm sure they're going to use it again at some point. So then they return to Asterion's place. I think, um, Ariadne agrees to tell Hades everything she learned about Pythos while she was in captivity in exchange for two things. Um, first, she wants to help take down Pythos. And second, she wants to kill Minos as soon as possible. Mm-hmm, yes. And then Hades does something to her where he ends up helping speed up her healing process somehow. Oh, that's right. Yes. That was kind of cool. Yeah. She like goes to bed after talking to him and she wakes up like super refreshed the next yeah. day. <laughs> like nothing even happened. It's good to be friends with a god. Yeah, even a god of the underworld, apparently. So then we have another fight scene. So much happens in this book, oh, honestly, you guys. Yeah. Like this this book wasn't even 200 pages long and so much stuff happens. It's yeah, crazy. it was nonstop. They end up going to the temple because she wants to kill one of her things was to kill Minos. Right. So Minos ends up dying. A couple of the other bad assassins end up dying. She's there with Asterion and all, now it's a bunch of orphans, like little assassins in training. They kind of like turn to her immediately to be like one master to the next. And she's like, no, no, like I'm not your master. I'm not like, I know I, she was the like high priestess of the temple but she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be that. I don't want you guys to be that. So she ends up deciding that she's going to turn the temple into an orphanage. Like it was supposed to be all along. And now she's going to allow boys to be there as well. Yeah. The priest that, um, that he was originally speaking to about putting the new roof on the orphanage, that building is totally dilapidated and the temple is in perfect shape. So the, the priest ends up moving in uh, with the boys to the temple. The, he's going to run this new temple and give these girls a new opportunity to have a normal life. Yeah, he's going to run it the way that it's supposed to be run. There's a quote. At the, that's how the book ends, correct? Um, there's a little bit more that happens, but yeah, that's almost the ending of the book. Yeah, there's a blurb at the end of this book about the author that I absolutely love. And she wrote, I believe that all monsters and villains deserve their happy endings. I prefer my clothes black, eyeliner winged, and books full of hot romance. And I thought, I love her. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is great. So shall we talk about what we thought of this book, if it's not obvious? Well, I'll just say that this book ends with Ariadne and Asterion getting their like quote unquote happily ever after, but the pithos mystery remains. So um, that's, I guess going to be the overlying theme of the series, I suppose. But she, she did find the mask of that was in Minos's room that the cloaked masks person of pithos was wearing. And so that proved to her that he was even more involved with this group 
uh, looking to destroy all the gods and take the world back um, than she originally thought. Book two, the next book in the series is Medusa. Oh boy. And whoever her love interest ends up being, um, which is exciting. But yeah, we can, so we can talk about what we thought and our rating and all that. Okay. I loved this book. I was dying that I couldn't talk to you about it because we don't ever talk <laughs> about the books until we do this podcast. I loved it. I was shocked at how good this author was because I thought, oh God, when I first started reading it, I'm not into Greek mythology at all. And I thought, oh brother, what is this going to be? But this book sucked me in and was one adventure or hot sex scene after another. And I love the fact that this, he never once had to rescue her, that they were equal on equal footing, um, that she was a strong woman in her own right and did not need a man to rescue her or carry her. And that they are basically equally matched. And so the book was so well-written and super witty. What about you? Uh that makes me so happy. I totally agree with you. I would definitely read this second book. Absolutely. I highly recommend this book. And I would give this book four panties. Oh, yay. <laughs> I would do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great. I, yeah, I really liked it. It was really clever. And it's funny because you like finish the book and you're like, holy shit, so much stuff happened. And then you realize it's less than 200 pages long and you're like how the hell did all this stuff happen in like 190 pages almost yeah i think but it all worked i think i did say to you that i have a lot of notes and you said how do you have a lot of notes this book is not even 200 pages and i was like what are you sure <laughs> yeah we we definitely had that conversation i was like how do you have so many notes for a book that's not even 200 pages long but then I started doing my notes yeah. and I ended up having 10 pages of notes <laughs> on this book. I did too. And I skipped a oh, bunch gosh. of stuff. So I, I think this is the first book I ever read by this author. I really like her and I definitely want to read the book about uh, Medusa because I love that character. She was just hilarious. Yeah. I really like that character too. And this was my first book by this author also. And I liked it. So she's got, um, this series is called The Court of the Underworld, but this series is part of a bigger series that she has called The God's Universe. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep reading her stuff. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. I thought it was clever. Um, definitely like action packed, sucks you in. A good find for sure. I think I found her on Instagram. This was like a great find for us, I think. Yeah, because it's funny because back at the beginning of our podcast, I had mentioned that I was staring at the cover of a book I realized for like 10 minutes and I, I have because I thought the drawing was super sexy blah 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 and then uh -huh. you recommended this book and I look it up and I go oh my god that's the book that's yeah. the cover I was looking at so I'm like yeah sure I'll read that book yeah the cover is really good the cover is Asterian but he's like bound yeah. in like the thread that mm -hmm. Ariadne uses in the book mm -hmm. it's really hot that was very hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I really love this book. Definitely four panties and they were definitely damp. Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I agree. This was a good find. Definitely recommend it. Um, especially if you like 
my favorite type of series is the interconnected standalone series. So I'd rather read five books that focus on different characters each time, but they're still, you know, you still get the side characters. That's my favorite type of series. So this definitely ticks a lot of boxes for me. Okay, so our next book that we're going to read is Dust Walker by Tiffany Roberts. I'm excited to read this book. It's um cyborg robot uh, romance. It is on Kindle Unlimited. So if you want to read it between now and when the episode airs, you're more than welcome to. Um, I like this author because it's actually a husband and wife duo and they write together, which is exciting. And they write a lot of unique and kind of out there characters. And that's what we're going to do next. Dust Walker. Yeah, this is a uh, cyborg romances. I've never read one of those before. So it'll be it'll be a new genre for me. I'm interested to see how it goes. And it's very exciting. That episode is going to be on uh, December 13th. Okay. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at bonded books podcast, or you can email bonded books podcast at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.